0: That's pretty good. I can I can read, and I'm I'm look, Can I look at you?
1: Yeah, and I'll start yelling like you do. How do I usually yell? You're like, this man. This shit's fucked. Fucked up, man. This shit's fucked up, man. Actually, you're in you're in uh, main range. You're in range.
0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of 4:30 in the morning. It's your boy Ben and Pat is back as well. How you doing today, Pat? I'm here. I'm back. It feels good to be back in Pat's studio today.
1: Yeah, it's been a while since we recorded back in my house.
0: Much more comfortable and bigger than mine.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more noisy, though. We got some uh, extracurricular activities going on outside. Yeah, I wonder what's going on out there. I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of shit going outside. It's a warm warm fall night. Sure. Um, Before we do get into this episode, we are recording this one on my mother's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. So happy birthday to my mother. Um, I'm not going to say how old she is. I'm not gonna say what day it is either, but it is her birthday today. As we record this, it'll be published a few days afterwards. Nice. But happy birthday, mother. She is a loyal listener of the show. Um, she did appreciate our last episode because I made a comment during the medical medical conspiracies about how pharmacists are hardworking. She appreciated that. She said, "Thank you for saying that." So nice. We do appreciate my mother's hard work as a pharmacist. We definitely appreciate you. And uh, before we do get into this one, uh, do you have any follow ups for one? From one fifteen or any of the earlier ones, uh, not that I, not that I, not that I know of. Now I do have one quick follow up, and this one's kind of funny. Um, do you remember? Did you even listen to the one fifteen episode? No, I have not yet. <laughs> oh, you haven't. <laughs> um, that was the one where I talked about uh, Stone Man Willie, the mummy in Pennsylvania. Okay. Now we mentioned that they're going to be revealing his true identity. Okay. Yeah. Now he gave his name as James Penn during this incident back in the eighteen hundreds. And then he said it was a fake name. So they never did know who he was. Now, DNA evidence was able to figure out exactly who he was. Hmm. And it turns out he's a man by the name of James Murphy.
0: No shit. So he
1: just literally just changed his last name from Penn to Murphy. Hmm. Now, the name James Murphy might not mean anything to most people, but it means something to me. Sure. Now, you might be seeing this little miniature guy sitting over here on my uh, TV stand. Mm Mm-hmm. You're looking at a figure from my favorite game of all time, Heroscape. And if you look at the guy's name... It's James Murphy, <laughs> it's, everyone. It's James Murphy. <laughs> so I found that absolutely hilarious. That so
0: is this the real James... Is this James Murphy?
1: What's funny is um, this guy would have been born in the 1800s. As they would have been contemporaries of each other, more than likely. So we don't know. Interesting. So when when I read that, I found that utterly hilarious. I'm sure Tim's going to get a kick out of that. I did not tell Timothy about that yet. Nice. He's going to be surprised. But, but James Murphy is a character in our favorite game, HeroScape. Nice. Now we, there's about 200 different units, including a set of Marvel heroes. So Spider-Man's in the game, the Hulk's in the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Nice. But James Murphy is a cowboy type guy. He's essentially they're like knockoff version of Indiana Jones. Mm. But he, he's in the game. I wouldn't say he's very good, although uh, Tim used him in our last game that we played. It was kind of random, and he actually frustrated the shit out of me. Damn! So I just found that absolutely hilarious. That
0: he looks like the character from Red Dead Redemption a
1: little bit. Yes, definitely. Um, they do have a. I think they got about four different cowboys in the game. Nice. They all have different quirk, quirky abilities. They're not really that good in, the, in and of themselves, but uh, they're they're kind of strategic depending on how you use them. So, nice. anyways, I just thought that was kind of funny. Here's that was game. a good follow up. Heroscape my favorite game, and if you're interested in Heroscape, it is coming back 2024. They're going to be re-releasing Heroscape. Nice. And apparently, they're going to have it in all the stores, so it might be something you might be able to buy coming up in 2024. Are you going to go buy more, pet? I probably will. Nice. I have way too much as it is. I've got way too much terrain, because you build your own map, mm-hmm. and you pick your own army, so it's really customizable, but it's also incredibly simple in terms of like the mechanics of the game. Like James Murphy is probably about as complicated as it gets. Mm. He's got, I think he's got two or three different abilities. But are there like any super rare characters? Um, not really, because the way that it's released, you know, you know what you're getting in each box, but the rarity comes with how many boxes actually printed of each set. Mm. So James Murphy, in and of himself, isn't exactly rare. But he might. that's probably a $20 figure. That's sweet. I got one one Dragon that's about a $200 figure just because they didn't make many of those boxes. Damn. Because they didn't think they were going to sell that well. So they only made what they thought was going to sell. That's crazy. It might be a lot years from now. Exactly. Anyways, on to the actual news. Ben, what do you have today? So I have two news stories. Awesome. My first one is
0: coming from one of our favorites, Sky News. Cool. Spanish Duke told he has to shorten his daughter's 25-word-long name. <laughs> okay. I have not read this whole article, so this is going to be interesting. Oh, boy. Fernando Fitz James Stewart wanted to call his daughter Sofia Fernanda Dolores Ca- Cayetana Teresa Angela de la Cruz Michaela del Santissimo Sacramento del Perpetuo Socorro de la... Santisima Trinidad Y Tados Las Santos. Okay. Fernand <laughs> Fitz James Stewart will need to significantly shorten his daughter's name if he wants her legally registered. The seventeenth Duke of Hughescar and his wife Sofia Palazuelo recently baptized their second child called Sofia Fernanda Dolores. I'm not reading this whole thing again. <laughs> Y'all can go back and, and listen to it. Oh my god. the aristocrat a direct descendant of king james ii of england has been told the register rules state that the name given to a child must not exceed more than one compound name and two simple ones in the registration the name given to the child will be expressed although no more than one compound name may be recorded no more than two simple ones according to the second article of the law on names and surnames and their order collected in the official state gazette the name is reportedly a tribute to the deceased duchess of alba other members of the family in religious devotions the first name sophia for example was chosen in honor of her mother and grandmother sophia sophia barroso and the second fernanda as a tribute to her father duke of huscar as well as her great uncle fernando martinez of erujo Arujo Marquis of San Vincent del Barco El Paris reports. Now, the article goes on. We kind of get the gist of the article here. That is, absolutely, <laughs> that is absolutely ridiculous. I mean... I've never heard of anything like this before.
1: <laughs> I feel like if you're part of the Spanish aristocracy, I have no idea what the government of Spain looks like. You probably yeah. lived in isolation from reality for a very long time. More than likely. So that's the only explanation I have for this type of... Um, the dude has a cool name, though. Fernando Fitz James Stewart. James Stewart. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what that's, to say. That's all I got for that one. I don't really have a whole much, a whole lot more to uh, to add to that. Me neither. I do have one, though. This one's pretty interesting. This one come from IGN.com. This is the first place I saw this one. Pat's favorite. Now, uh, we're going to try to get this episode up prior to Halloween. Yes. So two of my three are kind of Halloween-themed, and this is one of them. Nice. Fourth graders distraught after Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey somehow gets shown in classroom. There's horror and then there's trauma. And that's what a group of fourth graders recently got themselves into with the 2023 slasher film, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. According to a parent who spoke with CBS Miami, their child and classmates were exposed to approximately a half hour of the Winnie the Pooh semi-parody horror film. That dropped this year that reimagines the beloved children's character as a serial killer who dons a poo mask while stalking his prey. (laughs) The film already has a sequel in the works, so despite its silliness, it's somewhat of a hit in the horror sphere. But naturally, not with a classroom of fourth graders. According to the parents' account, the children selected the film, but they seemed to regret the decision as the film played out. The teacher didn't stop the movie, even though there were kids saying, hey, stop the movie, we don't want to watch this, the parent explained. It's not for them to decide what they want to watch. It's up for the professor to look at the content. I don't know if a fourth grade teacher is considered the professor or not. Probably but. not. The school issued a statement following the incident. The Academy for Innovative Education has become aware that a segment of a horror movie was shown to fourth graders Monday, October 2nd, 2023. That was not suitable for their age group. The statement said our administration promptly addresses the issue directly with the teacher and has taken the appropriate action to ensure the safety and well-being of the students. We are actively monitoring the students and our mental health counselor and principal have already met with those students who have expressed concerns. In the meantime, the team behind Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey are working on a sequel featuring Tigger. bro, And there are several (laughs) other nightmare versions of the classic kids properties in the works elsewhere. Teachers would probably want to pre scream anything with blood in the title. Just saying. That's a story. Okay. So it said so, so the kids chose the movie. <laughs> yes. What platform are
0: we using? Where Where was this movie available at?
1: I don't know because I can't find it. Like, I tried to buy it. I wanted to eat like a DVD copy. It's like $30. I'm not paying $30 for winning the blue blood and hoodie. So I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't find it streaming anywhere. So somehow, somebody, I'm assuming this teacher, had access to this film. So she had to have a DVD of it. Yes. Like a physical one. I'm assuming. So this, was it a female or a male It does not list the gender. No, we shouldn't assume genders. Sure. (laughs) So this person, this teacher. This professor. This professor,
0: quote unquote, brought in a stack of movies for the kids. Yes. And this movie was in that stack.
1: Correct. Interesting. Anyways, I don't have anything more with that. Winnie the blue Blood, and Honey. That was a good one. I don't know what to say. All
0: right, I got one more. This is from our favorite UPI News. Uh Uh-oh. Headline reads, 92-year-old man hikes Grand Canyon rim to rim. Wow. A 92-year-old who went on a rim-to-rim hike in in the Grand Canyon is believed to be the oldest person ever to complete such a trek. Alfredo Aliaga who was born in Spain, was accompanied on his hike by his daughter, North Carolina resident Annabelle Aliaga Bucceno, his son in law Jurgen Bucceno, and a pair of volunteer witnesses on his twenty-four mile trek, which totaled more than twenty-one hours of hiking. Aliaga, who had previously hiked the Grand Canyon several times, has greeted by a crowd of up to one hundred supporters as his hike came to a close. It was wonderful, Aliaga told Fox TV stations. They're all saying Okay Alfredo, you made it. It was really unique. Aliaga is now believed to be the oldest person to cross the Grand Canyon rim to rim on foot. A record currently held by John Jepkema, who was 91 years and 152 days when he completed his own hike in March. Aliaga said whether or not he's rewarded the Guinness World Record title, he is planning to hike the Grand Canyon again next year. You cannot say I am too old to do things, he said. I am happy and healthy.
1: Wow, that's impressive. That is awesome. I'm very happy to hear that story. I like that he's already planning to do it again. I just hate the expression rim to rim. I wish they could have said it. Yeah, we don't need, yeah. I wish they could have said it a different way, Um, Ben Hooper. Anyways, I don't have a whole lot to add. I do like when these old people make the plan to do it again. Yeah, I love that shit. It's just like, yeah, fuck it. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Keep on living, man. Fuck it. Why not? So that's a good news story for sure. I'm happy we were able to share that one. Hopefully our listeners are inspired by that one. Definitely. Our listeners need some inspiration these days. Definitely. Now, I got one that's not inspiring in the least. This one's going to come from KKTV.com. And the is going to come out of China Grove, North Carolina, which is a place I've never heard of before. Mm. Groundskeeper mows around dead body, thinking it was a Halloween prop, police and family say. <laughs> Think about that. Mm. A groundskeeper mowed around a body in a North Carolina yard because he thought it was a prop for Halloween display. Unreal. Officials say. Police in China Grove said... The body of a 34-year-old Robert Paul Owens was found near an abandoned house on October 10th. Police say they received a call about the dead body in the area and arrived to find Owens in the grass. Investigators found that a groundskeeper initially saw the body on October 9th when he was mowing the property. However, the worker told police he thought the body was a dummy used as a prop, so he did not report it. Unreal. Police said the groundskeeper mowed around the body. It wasn't until the following day that another worker visited the site and reported the body to the police. Now, it goes on a little bit. It's kind of a sad story, but um Man, he prop- he's probably like, Man, this really stinks. This prop is really realistic. Shit. I don't know. Now we've seen plenty of videos and shit where people are reacting to Halloween direction or decorations as if they're the real deal. Yeah. But I don't even know what to say. It's kind of a fucked up story. It is a little fucked up,
0: Pat, but that's that's wild, like I feel like you would investigate a little bit.
1: I feel like you would just get curious. A little bit. I would get curious. Be like, hey, that's pretty realistic looking. I'm going to go look at it a little bit closer to see. Now, this was at a residence? It was an abandoned house. Okay. So it looked like whoever the hell was maintaining this property sent multiple people to the site within a couple days. Hmm. Because it was another asshole that came over there and actually was like, hey, we got a problem. Yeah. They must have not even looked like just cut around it yeah like oh this thing's in the way like i feel like if it was an actual prop you would have lifted the prop up move it if you were doing a, yeah. like a good job yeah if you like how much were they paying this guy probably about what we were making <laughs> back when we were doing landscaping it was probably 12 dollars and 50 cents for a two hour <laughs> two hour job so i really i'm not gonna get too much more into this one um they're still trying to figure out what happened to the poor guy that's sad but it's it's fucked up anyways do you have any more news Nope, I only had the two. I got one more quick one. You're going to like this one. And this one comes from WKFR.com, and this is a radio station 1033 WKFR, and it reads, Ohio Little Caesars replaced by goat rental. Something very strange is happening at the Little Caesars on Lewis Avenue in Toledo, Ohio, and residents are very angry. Last Thursday, employees of the Little Caesars location were shocked to find out they were all fired with no explanation. The owner of the restaurant allegedly showed up and fired everyone, forced them out, and changed the locks. What happened next made the situation even stranger. A sign was taped to one of the front-facing windows that said, Glass City Goat Rental coming soon. (laughs) Next thing you know, there were three signs have appeared in the window that read, Goat Rental canceled, I could not get zoning, and Little Caesars will reopen in two weeks. (laughs) The former employees are left scratching their heads as they are unemployed with no explanation. To make matters worse, now hiring signs, litter the streets nearby as the restaurant is planning to reopen. Now, this story does go on for a while. There was a lot of media attention surrounding this one. I don't know if you saw this one at all. It seems like there's a lot going on with this. So, a Little Caesars in uh, a city called um, Toledo, Ohio, which I think we've talked about before. Yeah, we're not terribly far. closes without explanation. Next thing you know, a goat, rental sign pops up in the (laughs) window now i don't know about you i don't eat little caesars all the time i'll eat it maybe it might be like a once a month type thing every now and then every now and then type of a thing but there are plenty of people that are eat little caesars once a week your local little caesars you know where your local little caesars is yeah you know how to get there you know how to order quickly You're in, you're out. You're in, you're out, especially if you know how to get the hot and ready. So the hot and ready has become less and less reliable. Sure. They do have the pizza portal. Yep. Which is very convenient. Yep. So I don't even do hot and ready anymore. I just order it ahead of time and put it on the pizza portal. Right. That way I'm not standing in line. And the one fun thing about that is it's the best on, like, a Wednesday when they got their deals going. Sure. And you got, like, a crowd of 30 people. And you just walk in. You cut across everybody. You (laughs) scan your phone at the pizza portal. You walk out with pizza, and everyone's, like, really pissed at you. (laughs) It's like, hey, I plan in advance. Hey, you got to be smarter. But um, goat rental. Now, what would you rent a goat for? (sighs) I guess grass cutting. You could hire a couple goats. I guess if you had a daughter that really wanted
0: a goat at... Their birthday party? Wanted to impress all her friends?
1: Now, why would this only be something that a daughter would want? Why wouldn't I a know. son want a goat? I don't know. I, I mean, you might be right. I feel like a goat... Is a goat a vicious animal? I don't think so. No, I, I do think I talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, when me and Tim were at our parents' house, and we noticed that three doors down, they had goats in their yard. <laughs> just one time. That's funny. <laughs> and we never saw the goats again. Maybe someone visited, and they had a goat. Maybe somebody decided to rent the goats for the day. They could have.
0: It sounds like a a ploy by the owner maybe he didn't like any of the
1: employees so he just fired them all and just wanted a reason to fire them all oh I mean, oh
0: we're reopening
1: we gotta hire all new people i wonder how difficult it is to get the zoning for goat rental in toyota ohio
0: you probably have to have a sufficient amount of land so that they can run around
1: and eat grass right probably i feel like there's probably a lot of bureaucratic bullshit that yeah. goes into getting these type of permits right Anyways, talking about bureaucratic bullshit. Are you ready for our main topic? Let's do it. Now, man, this is about to be your episode. No, this is not. Um, we're gonna try. We're gonna be trying at least to get into a Halloween type theme with this episode. Yes. And I don't really even know how to describe this topic. Cause it's very general. It's almost too general. And there's plenty of topics that we've done previously that could kind of coincide with this that we're doing. So, hopefully we don't have any repeat stories, I guess. Nah, we shouldn't. But today, our broad strokes, generalized topic is gonna be... Scary stories. Scary stories, yes. So. So. Plenty of things that we've covered in the past have been scary stories. We did we did like an alien scary story episode at one point. Yeah, we did. Some of our urban legends are kind of creepy. See, what we kind of
0: talked about before was just kind of going over our favorite scary stories off of like the internet that's what I thought this episode was yeah that's kind of gonna be okay
1: kind of gonna be what we're getting at
0: I'm gonna sit here and say right now I didn't find my favorite because I've listened to so many there's no way I'm gonna be able to go back and find my favorite one sure there's a lot that I've listened to that I don't remember
1: yeah and the thing with media today and it is kind of overwhelming just how many different sources for scary stories there are yes now I definitely gravitate towards the ones that could be true yes that being said, Creepypasta is a real thing where people write scary stories. Yes, one, one feel, of my
0: stories is from Creepypasta.
1: That feel authentic. Now there's a Reddit subreddit called r slash Creepypasta, which you can read a lot from. I don't know where else. They're getting published everywhere. Reddit has another one, I think. It's called like No Sleep. No Sleep. I do have that one down on my notes.
0: Yes. Um, those are. I
1: would say those are the two best Reddits for creepy stories.
0: Yeah, YouTube has a lot of good... Stories. Most of those stories are from Reddit and like Creepy Creepypasta. Sure. But um, the narrators are really good.
1: Yeah. I would say the three that I listen to the most on YouTube are called the one is called Booze and Booze. Yep. It's Booze the Drink and then Booze the Woo. Yeah. Yeah. The other one I like is called Donovan Dread. I don't know if you've heard about him. Mm-hmm. He does a lot that kind of are set in national parks. And I don't feel like all his stories are like true. But there's a very well-done authenticity to them that kind of make you think. Mm-hmm. And then another one I really like is called What Lurks Beneath. This is one that Timothy recommended. This guy's excellent. He does a lot of narrations. Nice. And he'll bring in people that claim to have stories as well, and they'll tell their own tales. And then a fourth one real quick that Timothy mentioned before we got started today was called Paranormal Scholar. Okay. He said this is one you should mention. It's like he described this woman as the White Witch in Narnia, kind of. <laughs> but Timothy says that this is a really good uh, really good source for stories. So, um, that being said, these scary story type YouTube channels, especially, are really easy to fall asleep to.
0: Yeah. And they're really easy if you're like in the middle of doing something just to put out in the background
1: yes. and listen to. And some of them are really scary, man. Some of them like. definitely are. Now, they could be anything from like a home invader type story to. Yep. Uh, I was out in the park in the middle of the woods and I encountered encountered a creature that didn't make any sense to ghost stories to pretty much every, every kind of area of creepiness, whether it's a glitch in the matrix, whether it's a ghost story, whether it's a encounter with like a murderer, a couple that I've read have been like, I encountered this guy that I thought was going to murder me. And it turned out that this was an actual serial killer that this person escaped from Mm -hmm. type of shit like that. So there's a lot of them out there. That being said, scary stories are not a new thing.
0: Definitely not.
1: They've been around forever. Uh,
0: Hudson and I like to build a tent in his room out of his nugget couch, and we take my my reader light, and we put
1: it up to our face, and we tell scary stories. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> now, do you tell, like, really scary stories?
0: No, it's normally like, you know,
1: normally it's like,
0: ah, Hudson was eating dinner, and in came the boogeyman. Woo! <laughs>
1: Nope. Kids then, these days, and then
0: Mama came in and saved the day, yay! And then he freaks out.
1: Yeah, it's fun. Sounds like it. Yeah. So I was thinking more like Edgar Allan Poe. Sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Speaking of Edgar Allan Poe, there's a new Netflix series called The Fall of the House of Usher. I want to watch it, which is supposedly based on a Edgar Allan Poe story. Now, I have read the story before. I don't think the show is based <laughs> on the story at all. I think they just kind of took the name and borrowed it, basically. Sure. But definitely a really spooky tale. A lot of the Edgar Allan Poe stories are very spooky. Yes. Everything surrounding that guy is spooky. Uh, H.P. Lovecraft wrote a lot of story, a lot of scary stories involving alien monsters coming from the Netherlands. Oh, my. Very creepy. So, yeah, it's been around forever. A lot of folklore, a lot of shit is really just a scary story that keeps getting told over periods of time. So with that in mind, Ben, what kind of scary stories do you have to share for us today?
0: So, um, it took me like three days to even decide on one because... It took me about a week. It took me a long time to even decide what to even do. But um, I have two. I have one really long one and I got like a a quick one. I don't know. How many do you have?
1: I got two, basically. So... All
0: right. I guess I can start with my long one. So, this one's from Creepypasta. I also... um, I I first saw it on a, a video on YouTube. It was like campfire... Stories, like part 11. I can't remember what the... Uh, I didn't write it. I can't remember what the uh, the YouTube channel was. But this is a story from Creepypasta. This is supposedly a true story, but you never really, really, truly know on the internet. So this day takes place in September of 1983. I have four um, Boy Scouts. They decide to do a patrol camping trip. Sure. Now, this guy doesn't really get into the specifics as to what... Boy Scout patrol camping shit is I was never a Boy Scout so I don't really know what that is but sure the scout troop owned a campsite at the top of a rocky hill and uh they had some bad luck with weather and they they debated on even going out and doing this but they really wanted to do it and their parents were all out of town and they're like you know what let's just do this it's only a couple nights let's go do it so this story it's written in first person and the author never says his name so we're just gonna call him Dustin. Who at the end of at the end of the creepy pasta article, or if you want to even look at the story article, says credit goes to Dustin. I don't know if that is the person who wrote the story, sure. or not. Sure. But we're just gonna call that person Dustin. All right. But anyways, the four boys. It was Dustin who was the author, and then Eric, Tony, and Sam. Those are the ones you really gotta pay attention to. Sure. So they were hiking up this hill. And it's raining, they were wearing their ponchos, and uh, they were all pretty miserable, except for the guy named Tony. So this Tony guy, none of them really liked Tony, and they all kind of bullied Tony, but Tony didn't really like them either, and he kind of antagonized them and kind of egged them on, so he's kind of asking for it half the time. Sure. And none of them liked Tony. But for whatever reason that day, Tony really wanted to antagonize Eric. Fucking Eric. And Eric... Uh, Eric was, like, this goody-two-shoe type of dude. Uh, he never did anything bad. Like, he was in good shape, good athlete.
1: Most Eric's I've met are kind of goody-two-shoes.
0: Straight A, never did a drug or, like, smoked or anything like that. I think these guys are, like, I think they're, like, 15, 16. Sure. You know, anyways, Tony really liked egging this guy on. So, while they were walking up this trail, freaking Tony decides to, like, run up on Eric and he's, like, being annoying, and he's, like, kind of almost, like, dog-humping this dude. Like, I don't know. It's it's kind of weird what he was describing. <sighs> but anyways, Eric goes, like, get the fuck off me. Can't take it anymore.
1: Eric and doesn't he, seem like a guy that would swear. Yeah,
0: but he, he didn't. I just kind
1: of added that oh, in. But he okay.
0: said, get off me. And he pushed Tony, and Tony goes tumbling down this cliff, down the side of the cliff. This is where things get very, very bad. Sure. Tony tumbles down this cliff, and he's, like, smacking shit on the way down. And he goes headfirst into it, like a big sandstone. And, like, hits it head first with a crack. Like, it's not good. Don't sound good. Yeah, not good at all. So, they couldn't really believe what happened. And Sam was like, holy shit, we gotta go help him. And so, Dustin was like, yeah, we gotta go help him. So, they start to go down the hill. And Eric's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We all gotta agree on what the story is, right? That he, he slipped and fell. I'm sure. I didn't push him. This guy slipped and fell. And dustin was like i didn't see nothing because this happened like kind of behind him he was ahead of them he really didn't see it allegedly and sam was like no no we need to go help him you pushed him let's go help him and then eric's like all right whatever so they start making down going down this hill and eric starts to get closer to sam and eric's like all right no we're not we're not doing this you need to tell me that we got this story straight i didn't push him he fell this was an accident. Sam's like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying that. We're gonna I'm gonna tell the truth. And Dustin this whole time is like, come on, just tell him what he wants to hear so we can go help Tony. But Sam's like, No, he won't do it. So Eric tries to like push him off this cliff, and Sam fights back, and they're like having this wrestling match. <laughs> and they end up they end up both falling
1: off the cliff. Eric's quite the cliff pusher.
0: Yeah. Well they well what happened was, if I remember correctly, Sam like, charges at him, pushes him, and doesn't realize where he was, and they both fall off the cliff. Oh, my God. And they're both, like, running in the trees and hitting things on the way down. So it's a very bad situation. Sure. So they were both alive, but they were both hurt very badly. And they were both screaming pretty bad when they landed. Uh, looked like Sam broke his leg, and Eric was all twisted he said he couldn't feel his spine. He couldn't feel his legs. Everything like that. So he's probably paralyzed. Yeah. And Sam obviously can't walk. Broken leg. So Dustin doesn't really know what to do at this point. Because he was supposed to go help Tony, who had the worst of the injuries. He doesn't really know what to do. So he's kind of panicking. Sam's like, leave this park right now. Go get help for all of us. Sure. But Dustin's like, wait, I need to check on Tony. I need to see if he's even alive. So he goes to check on Tony, which they're not far you know they both all fell around the same area he goes to see where tony was and tony's gone so this guy dove headfirst into a sandstone you'd think his body would be there sure tony's gone the only thing that's there is like a little bit of blood so while he's there at the spot where tony was he starts having this really weird feeling he can't hear anything can't even hear his breath he can't hear the rain anymore because it was raining. And he feels like something was around him. Not sure. not being watched, but, like, literally right on top of him. Sure. So he starts booking it towards where the other two scouts were. He goes there. He tells them, Tony's gone. Tony's disappeared. I don't know what the fuck happened to him. So they're all kind of freaking out. So Dustin's like, look, Sam, you look you like you're, like, the less fucked up person. I'm going to carry you out of here. We're going to try and get some help. And... Eric's like, well, what the fuck about me? And <laughs> I guess Dustin was, like, thinking it. He was like, well, you push this dude. You push Tony off the cliff. Try to get Sam pushed off the cliff. You kind of deserve this. I'm taking wow. Sam first. So he left Eric, and he starts... he He's, he's carrying Sam like this at first, I think. Then he gets too tired, and he carries him firemen after that. And he's got, like, a mile to go total. But what happens is... Is just when he feels like they're about to get out of this and they're about to get some help. Apparently, there's some house close by with a phone that they can get to. This weird presence comes again, and he's fireman carrying him, and Sam's like, "Fuck, you need to run now, run!" He's like smacking him, like you know, kind of like in like the Kentucky Derby where they're smacking <laughs> the horse with the thing. That's kind of oh what God. I was envisioning when I was reading it. He was like smacking and he was running. Sure, and um. Sam could see kind of what was chasing them, but he couldn't because he was running. And he was going up this hill, and his whole body started to feel numb. He he couldn't carry Sam anymore. His legs were going numb, yada, yada, yada. So he was running up the hill. He fell. And even though Sam had the broken leg and whatever the hell else happened, I think he might have broken a rib while he was carrying him during the journey or something. He was crawling up the hill. And that's kind of the last thing he remembers. He kind of passes out. Yeah, he didn't really know how long he was laying there. Oh, wait, no. First, first he gets hit in the back of the head. He was watching Sam crawl up this hill. And he gets hit in the back of the head. And then he gets knocked out, obviously. And he didn't know how long he was laying there. And he hears the birds tweeting. The sun came up. It's morning. No more rain. Sure. Anything like that. And this dude like lifts his hood up. And he's like, you all right? And this old man comes up to him. And he's like, man, what the fuck happened to you? And Dustin's like, I don't know. And he's feeling anxious because he remembers all this shit that that went down. And that's basically the end of the story. Because, no, seriously, but this is a true story. The three other boys were never, ever found in the woods. Sam ended up, Eric ended up succumbing to his injuries. He ended up dying. Sure. But I don't know if they ever found, they might have found Eric, but the two other ones, no, no, no. No, all three of them, none of them were found. And to this day, I guess the dude doesn't know what kind of spirit or entity was in those woods that was chasing them or what took Tony or Eric at that point and Sam. But why it didn't take him, I don't know.
1: So this is a true story.
0: Yes, this came from Creepypasta and the the video was
1: on YouTube, uh, essentially was true stories. So we could look up, we could look up 1983 disappearances and.
0: Yeah, yeah. Might, might be able to find it i don't know that's really creepy exceptionally yeah. creepy yeah so and we've we've heard of stories about people seeing shit in the woods yeah and coming across whether it was a creature or an entity you see you hear a lot of those uh scary stories what
1: have you yeah people hiking stories uh through the woods on trails about being one. followed yeah my second one i'll get into something that i think is out there yeah what do you what else you got well is that all you got with that one? Yep, that's basically all it, uh, I got with that one. Because my first one is going to be a complete 180 change of pace. We're going to be going about 200 years into the past with this first one. Now, this is one of the literally probably one of the first scary stories that I ever heard about, but it remains one of the scariest. And I decided to listen to it in its entirety as it was written back in 1820. <laughs> I think I did this yesterday or the day before, and it's still very spooky. Have you ever heard of the legend of Sleepy Hollow? Yes. Classic little scary story, if you will. Yep. But exceptionally creepy the more you kind of think about it and read about it. Sure. So I'm not even going to read anything. I just got like an outline of it. But essentially the story tells the tale of Ichabod Crane, who was a school teacher in, I don't really remember. I think it was in New York, but it was an area known as Sleepy Hollow, which is an actual real little community. And it's set about 1790. And Ichabod was a kind of dweeby schoolmaster, but he was exceptionally good with music and instruments and singing, especially. And he had the hots for plenty of different women in the community. He was basically trying to get around and, you know, find his wife. Sure. As they did back in this time. Now, he really didn't have a home. In and of himself, he would spend like a week at a time at different houses of the children that the parents would put him up for a week at a time or whatever. Mm-hmm. So That's kind of how he got around and how he lived. But at one point, he found the hots for this woman named Katrina, who was the daughter of a farmer out in the in the area, basically. And they had a pretty good sized farm. They had a lot of resources at their disposal. And Katrina was going to inherit the land. So, Ichabod had two weaknesses in his life. Number one, he loved the lovely ladies. And despite his slender, almost gaunt figure, he loved to eat. <laughs> he could eat anything under the sun, anything that they'd give him. And one of his hobbies during his, essentially his time spent as a school teacher during the evenings, was he'd go to visit the, the old wives of the people in the town as they'd get together. And they'd, they'd weave, and they'd cook, and they'd tell scary stories. So one of the scary stories that was told to him, and this is all part of the story, and the story is written by uh, Washington Irving back in 1820. Mm-hmm. I probably should say that before I just start telling this entire story. Sure. One of the stories that was told to Ichabod Crane was a story of the Headless Horseman. Mm. The Headless Horseman being a legend that had been in Sleepy Hollow for about 50 years now, maybe 45 years. Actually, no, it wouldn't have been that long because Ichabod Crane would have lived roughly 1790. The Headless Horseman would have been a result of the Revolutionary War. And the story went that in a nameless battle that nobody can really identify, a American artillery unit fired off a cannon during a battle and cut the head off of a Hessian soldier. Now the Hessian soldiers were mercenaries essentially, but not really, that were hired by the British Army to help fight during the Revolutionary War. These would have been soldiers from Germany, specifically from the area called Hess, which we do have a listener from Hess, by the way. Nice. Um, And basically their duke out there was basically had armies that he would kind of license out, sell out to make money for his duchy. So if you were a Hessian soldier, you could be sold off to fight wherever, basically. Nah. Now, the story behind this Hessian soldier was that there was a townsfolk person somehow that ended up. Losing a child out in the middle of nowhere, and the Hessian soldier rescued the child and brought it back to the homestead. And it was just kind of weird that they would get kind of generosity from the barbarian, German, Hessian-type soldier. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is when the soldier got his head blown off by the American artillery, somebody f- that, that family found the body. And thinking, hey, it might have been the guy that was really nice to us. Decided to give it a proper burial and buried it in the cemetery, etc., etc. And supposedly the grave is still there. Hmm. But the ghost story was that the headless horseman would roam across this creepy bridge between the farm and the town, basically. Mm -hmm. So Ichabod Crane, being the jackass that he was, (laughs) decides that he's going to go court this Katrina girl that lives on this farm. Now Katrina's father was putting on a grand party... At this time. However, the party is also attended by this guy named Braun, who was kind of this, like... He was a Dutchman. He was kind of a big, strong, burly type. His name's Braun. More of a... (laughs) More of a... um, Like a a skilled tradesman type. Like a blacksmith or something. Sure. He had a lot of charisma. He always had a group of guys that kind of follow him around, etc., etc. And he also had the eye for Miss Katrina. So Ichabod's only real strength in this little... Love triangle was his musical ability, because he really wasn't that attractive, really wasn't that, didn't have a house or anything. Now, his goal was to marry her and turn the land into a bunch of money, because it could have been a very profitable mm-hmm. enterprise. And he was not a stupid individual, he was a schoolmaster after all, taught the kids. But, basically, long story short, Ichabod spent more time at this dinner party eating than he did courting Katrina. <laughs> and then at the end of the night, Ichabod kind of hung around, but one thing led to another. He he somehow pissed her off, and she kicked him out. Damn. So he rode off on his horse that he borrowed from the family he was staying with called Gunpowder into the night, and he was really upset, and he was really kind of whatever, dreary, heartbroken. So he was kind of lingering, lumbering his way on home, going kind of slow, whatever, all melancholy, and then all of a sudden, he starts to see this, and some rider kind of like taking an interest in, uh, in him essentially. Mhm. And as he moves, it kind of get the guy gets kind of closer and closer and starts to bother him. And then one thing leads to another. He tries to ride over this creepy bridge that supposedly is like has all the ghost stories in the world attached to it. Mm-hmm. And he knows about them all. So he rides over the bridge and then this guy keeps getting closer and closer and closer and then he decides to get this old horse in a gear and he starts charging. And he starts slipping out of his saddle as the horse is riding faster and faster, but this guy behind him isn't really letting up. He keeps keep keeping pace with him, essentially. And then one thing leads to another. I think he falls off the saddle. And then, like, the last thing he sees is, a, like, a fireball flying at him. And something happens. He gets knocked in the head. He gets hit in the head, knocked out. The townsfolk wake up the next morning. The horse returned to the house, but Ichabod was nowhere to be found. So they start investigating the road a little bit. All they can really find is a broken jack-o'-lantern, like a pumpkin. And then that's basically the end of the story. They don't know who the Headless Horseman was. Was it really the ghost of this Hessian warrior? Was it somebody playing a prank on Ichabod? But the it kind of wraps up with the story being like, oh, well, this is a story told by this guy that supposedly met Ichabod later on in life. And he decided to use this whole incident as an excuse to start a new life somewhere else. Hmm. And... Make, that would make the most sense for him <laughs> and then there's people that believe and the story doesn't really explain any of this there's people that believe that it was this Braun guy that was writing the story because he was the headless horseman is playing a prank on Ichabod mm. after the fact just to kind of fuck with him right but just the fact that i didn't realize that the story was a real thing i thought this was like a british like a like a british folktale or something i didn't realize it was an american folktale number one number two it is kind of a creepy story it is. Especially when you read it and you listen, or you listen to it, especially as it's written, it builds up a lot of suspense, even though it's a, it's a stupid little story. <laughs> I mean, there's nothing really that happens. Yeah. But it builds up a ton of suspense. And this is also one that, there was a video cassette that we used to have that had the wind and the willows, and then the Legend of Sleepy Hollow was like the second half of the video cassette, and I used to watch them all the time, and I used to scare Like, I used to turn it off after the wind and the willows, because I didn't want to watch the Legend of Sleepy <laughs> Hollow, because it would scare me so much.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> But it's a scary little tale, and it's, Amer- it's Americana. It's a 200-year-old story at this point. Right. And even to this day, even I haven't thought about it. I didn't even think about it for probably 15 years. Like I, It hasn't been something that's even been like in my brain. But I was looking up s- scary stories, and I kind of remembered it a little bit. Just as scary as it was back then. That's a classic. I haven't heard that one in years. So Ichabod Crane, kind of a jackass. I couldn't imagine walking around being named Ichabod. Yeah, that would suck. Like, was was that an actual name, Ichabod? Like, how many more Ichabods do you know? about Ichabod? No. Not going to go that far. Anyways, what else you got today? (laughs) All right, I have one more.
0: Um, It'll be quicker than the last one. This one's called Military Ghost Story. Uh Uh-oh. This was from a YouTube video that I found. Um, This is a true story, 100% true story. I'm pretty sure this is from Reddit, but it was on a video... It was, it was like a list of a bunch of different stories. Sure. We could post the video on our YouTube page on our uh, Facebook page, but the, the, the Reddit username wasn't specified in the video. Okay. But the guy apparently, uh, his name is Jack, uh, who did some military training at Fort Leonard Wood in central Missouri. You ever hear of that place? Where? Fort Leonard Wood in central Missouri.
1: No, I can't say I have.
0: I've seen a lot of ghost stories about this place. Apparently this, this place is well
1: known to be haunted. I'm right uh,
0: now. It was built in the 1940s. It was built to train sol- soldiers in World War II, and it also uh, acted as a place to hold prisoners of war. Uh, so the, the fort is relatively old. Anyways, every night it was routine uh, to stay up an hour to mop the floors or to, like, be a guard or whatever, and um, you weren't relieved until the next guy came up to do your mop duty. One night, uh, Jack was, um, he was trying to stay awake, and he was sitting under the speakers. And uh, generally, what they hear through these speakers are, like, their loud drill sergeants telling them to wake up, or they're there to give whatever type of order they need to give. Sure. But this time, it was like a soft whisper, soft female voice. Now, they've had female drill sergeants, but normally, like, they come through loud. It's nothing this soft. Okay. You can barely hear it.
1: I'm already kind of creeped
0: (laughs) out. The voice is coming through the speaker. Sure. And the voice said, private, get everyone outside right now. Right now, private. He was confused as to why the voice was so low. But um, he went down the hall and he saw another guard there that was on duty. And he was like, hey, did you hear? Did you hear anything? Did you hear anything come through the speakers? Did you hear any type of announcement, order? He's like, no, I didn't hear nothing. And so the guy went back and he didn't really think about it, and he didn't want to risk waking everyone up for something that nobody else heard. So he's like, you know what? Take a chance. I'm not going to do shit. It's just my mind was playing tricks on me. I really didn't hear nothing. So a couple months later, one day, um, at the tail end of a three-day training exercise that they had, a field training exercise, they were all outside on this fire, and they were swapping, you know, stories or whatever. And his drill sergeant Um, he was sharing a story about the history of the base and he was telling a story about the first female drill sergeant that worked at the fort and the, um, all the dudes there would like heckle her and harass her and pick on her and all this shit. And it got so bad that she ended up killing herself in the fort and she hung herself with her belt from these exposed pipes from the ceiling. Well, those exposed pipes eventually were covered up with plaster because they wanted to hang speakers on the wall right over the area of the exposed pipes. And that's where he heard the voice. That's creepy as fuck. That's creepy as fuck. <laughs> and that is a true story. I'm going to have to look that, that one up. That is the end of the story. That I can probably very... send you the video I found on YouTube. And that
1: one's very interesting, very creepy. <laughs> Especially since it's a real place. Yes, yep. So that one definitely, that one kind of gives me chills. Yeah, that's creepy. Now, my last one, this is this is one I've been talking about for a while. This isn't anything new for our listeners, but it's still something that I find kind of compelling, kind of interesting. And it's not really a story as much as a collection of stories. And the reason why I'm bringing this one up for our Scary Stories episode is because we rattle off a bunch of those YouTube channels like uh, What Works Beneath and Booze and Booze and shit like that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the stories tend to be set in the wilderness. And a lot of them tend to be set specifically in different national parks. Yes. And whether or not all these are true, I know that this is easy pickings for creepypasta writers to write a story about a park ranger that saw something in a national park. That being said, there's a lot of them. And just how incomprehensibly large some of these parks are, it's easy to kind of sort of halfway buy into a lot of these stories. Especially considering a lot of the cryptozoology that we study, like Bigfoot Mm -hmm. and uh maybe to the lesser extent like the Mothman, shit like that. That one's been seen a lot. Yeah. But like even the Mothman kinda sort is kinda close to a big national park in Shenandoah. I'm not gonna say it was seen there necessarily, but I mean you're in the same state at least. Yeah. And then Bigfoot, there's all sorts of shit. There's a new Bigfoot video out. I don't know if you saw it. It's on Netflix? No, I'm talking about a, like a video that somebody shot. Oh, it was pe- oh, it was oh, oh! No, Co- I haven't seen it, it yet. Was People in Colorado on a train. And there's like <laughs> a, there's like a prairie, like a like a brown prairie, and Bigfoot like blends like right into this. And then you see him kind of stand up and walk away. <laughs> and it was a pretty good. It was a pretty, pretty good, good video. Pretty good video. But with that being said, with the national parks, there's just a there's a ton of terrain. You got rangers out there, but you you could talk about extreme isolation in some of these parts. It's so vast out there. I don't think people really realize how vast it is and and what could be out there. Exactly. Especially considering the fact that a lot of these parks are essentially sanctuaries for species that really aren't found in too many other places in the world these days. Mm -hmm. If they've got the room to live and prosper out there, who isn't to say that there are other things out there that we don't know about?
0: Yeah, and I think on our our Bigfoot episode was like episode 43 or something like that it was 49 like 49, I 49. That specifically we talked about the analogy of like black bears and stuff like yeah. in Michigan there's thousands and thousands there's of like black 25, bears 25,000
1: black bears or something
0: but you never see them
1: and you never really find a dead body
0: and you never really find a dead one the same thing with like Tennessee yeah you know like i i've been to gatlinburg i've driven through tennessee you might only see one or two but there's thousands
1: sure there's thousands there so With all that in mind, I think there is a creature out there that is a little bit more concerning than Bigfoot or even Black Bear. And I've talked about this creature before, within the last couple episodes, and this is the Dog Man. The Dog Man. Yes. Now, the Dog Man...
0: (laughs) Is this similar to the Skinwalker?
1: Yes, although I, I, I was told that you shouldn't say that phrase. No. Call it anything else. Call it the... Flush pedestrian, call it anything else. <laughs> I'm not using that word anymore. I got spooked one day by one of my friends. What,
0: Skinwalker?
1: Yes, you can't say that. Why? What's going to happen to me? It, I guess it's terrible. It's, it's a ter- it's bad juju. Jesus, okay. <laughs> and one of my friends, one of my friends who hates all my bullshit, just can't stand me for most of my shit, was like, dude, do not use that word.
0: Okay, you send me the information as to why. I, can't, I, I really want to know.
1: I can't do that. Do you know why? Uh, there there's a curse out there regarding that word. Alright, I'll, I'll figure to, it and out and to say it's to say its name like that invites it closer. Okay. To you. Okay. Is basically what I'm what I'm gathering. Okay. And this is a person that doesn't buy into any of the shit. Doesn't buy into anything. Sure. To see this person snap like that and say, Don't say that shit kinda spooks me. Okay. Anyways. The dog man. The dog man, let's do it. Should not be con- should not be mistaken for the werewolf i think that the werewolf is actually a bullshit story to cover up the dog man anyways the first dog man was allegedly seen in 1887 in wexford county michigan now the dog man is mostly associated with the state of michigan but there's also plenty of sightings in wisconsin which is a neighboring state there have been a few in ohio there have been some across the country basically but michigan tends to be the spot for the dog man Mm. Basically, it was described as a seven-foot-tall, blue-eyed, bipedal, canine-like animal with the torso of a man. This is coming from Wikipedia, so it's a highly, highly reputable source. Sure. The legend says that the Michigan Dogman appears in a 10-year cycle on years that end in seven. So we're safe right now. We're in 2023, but 2027, we need to watch out. Okay. Okay. Now, a lot of it tends to be associated with the Upper Peninsula, but the northern quadrant of the Lower Peninsula also tends to be Dogman territory. Now, the Dogman really kind of creeps me out for a number of reasons, mostly because it's in, if you watch like one of those like hour long videos where there's a bunch of stories of just like creepy things that people saw in the wild. Yep. There's always at least one Dogman story. The problem is the variance of situations where people have encountered the Dogman creep me out. And even if they're all made up, somebody's doing a really good job writing these fucking stories. Do they
0: actually call it the dog man in the story? Yes. Or is it something that is similar in every story that you think is the dog man?
1: Most of the stories refer to it eventually as the dog man. Okay. Like it's almost an accepted cryptid at this point. Okay. Now there are plenty of people out there that are trying to explain what the dogman is. One explanation that I read and would explain the uptick in sightings is that the dogman has been around for maybe even since 1887 or before Um, but it's a genetically engineered creature by the United States military. There's one story that goes so far as to say that 20,000 dogmen were created in the 21st century to assist in military expeditions by the United States military and Obama had pressure to release the dogmen. <laughs> and his solution to the problem was to release them on the national parks instead of killing them and euthanizing them. So that's why there's been an uptick recently because that's one of the last things Obama did as president is release the dogman. Okay, so what does the dogman look like? Seven foot tall, seven to eight foot tall. Actually, there are a lot of photos out there <laughs> that are kind of legitimately looking. Think about a werewolf but a little bit bigger. But more animalistic. So it's got long arms. It's got a really jacked up... It's like jacked up chest, but imagine arms that are kind of like drooping to the ground almost. Almost like, like, kangaroos, but, like no, the kangaroos? No, because a kangaroo's got... No, their the, arms aren't that long. The kangaroo... This has got more human-like legs. Okay. Imagine like a huge-ass werewolf. Okay. Like a jacked up chest canine face. I just I just imagine... The, the, like the long-ass... like a pug face. Like, like imagine like long-ass legs. Imagine like a coyote or a coyote coyote face. Sure, okay. Something like that. Um usually they're brown or dark. You hear different colored eyes. Most of them are red, some are blue or amber colored. Now do they bark? They more growl. Okay. I've heard some growls. You've heard them. Not in Person. real life. I've heard recordings <laughs> okay. of them. Okay. Now what really makes the the, the dog man weird is in 1987, some guy named Steve Cook, who was a DJ at WTCMFM fm in Traverse City, Michigan, recorded a song called The Legend. Now, The Legend wasn't even supposed to be a song. It was originally a poem that he wrote that he and some other idiot decided to put to music, and they actually turned—they ended up turning it into a song. And then they started playing the song on their little Traverse City radio station back in the 80s, and people kept calling in and saying, hey, play that weird-ass song again. There, there there's something going on here and the song is about the dog man and he intended it as an april fool's day joke that being said what ends up happening when this whole joke gets played is people start calling in saying oh my god like an old guy was the first one saying i don't know what the hell you guys are talking about but you exactly describe something that i saw that i never told anybody about back 50 years ago out in the wild and then more and more people start calling in saying, "Yeah, you know I've actually seen this thing this, this is a real thing." And it's interesting the whole 10- year cycle ending in the year the uh, the number seven mm-hmm. the song is released in 1987 <laughs> So isn't that interesting? Crazy Now there are plenty of different people that talk about the dog man. I think it's real. I've heard some stories even about like people in Louisiana like down in the Bayou. Like the one was some young kid out fishing late night on the bayou. I don't know if he was alligator hunting or whatever. And they start hearing this howl and they start seeing this thing go by.
0: Did we mention the dog man on our cryptid episode?
1: Not on our cryptid episode. We did mention it on, I think the urban legends one we just did. I did talk about it briefly, Mm. but I haven't done a full scale discussion about it yet. And I mean, there are videos out there of the dog man. You can go ahead and try to find them. Uh, The Wendigo, I think is a closer possibly a closer native american folklore to the dogman the wendigo being a cursed human that has to feast on blood after it gets outcast from the tribe essentially now there are other people out there that say that the dogman is more of a werewolf because there were native american like warrior shamans and i think it was associated the story was associated with a cheyenne tribe which I I don't even know where the hell they're from. They got the capital of Wyoming. It's called Cheyenne, so I'm assuming it's out west somewhere. But we don't know that for sure. I don't know that off the top of my head. But they supposedly had legends of, like, these warrior shaman that would get really in touch with their spirit animal and would essentially become their spirit animal. And if their spirit animal was, like, a wolf, they could become the dog man. And there's a lot of people out there that say that this is the dog man. Hmm. A more mundane explanation that I'm not sure if I even really buy is misidentification of animals the only one that maybe might work is uh, imagine like a like a starved bear that just like flesh and bone no fat on it whatsoever no muscle Mm -hmm. if it were to stand upright it might be able to stand about six and a half to seven feet tall and a starved bear would have more of a canine face due to the skull structure yeah so that's the only realistic explanation you might be able to find that being said it doesn't explain a lot of the stories It doesn't explain a lot of the paw prints that have been found from the Dogman, which are described as like twice the size of a normal wolf's. Some other people out there say that the Dogman is really a relict population of dire wolves, Mm. which was a creature that existed way back in the day, and it's part of Game of Thrones as well. Yes. Which fossil records would show that it's only about 20 to 25% larger than our gray wolves that we know today. Which, I mean, that could be a significant, that's a significant variance. Yeah, yeah. But there's also no evidence showing that these direwolves would have ever been bipedal. There's no evidence showing that they would have ever walked on two legs. Or this could have been an alien experiment. That's the next one we're going to get into is the alien experiment, experiment angle. Um. There's plenty of evidence that they're doing different experiments on us.
0: This could have been, this could have been an experiment coming out of that that base we just The Dulcey base. The, the base. <laughs> Now, I'm going to
1: have to look in to see if there have been any Dogman sightings out west down that far. I can't say I've seen many. Most of them tend to be, like, northern, like, Michigan, Wisconsin, Ohio. Maybe they, they like the, the cooler weather. You know, if you got all that fur on you, I feel like you'd, you'd definitely right. kind of gear towards that. So they might, like, you know, migrate up there. We don't know. So that's the Dogman it's not, really scary. A, it's not really a scary story as much as a scary idea. I mean, it'd be scary if you saw one, if you ran into it. Definitely. Now, I am also wondering if maybe the Dog Man and Bigfoot, maybe there could be a little bit of a over overlay in terms of identification of creatures. Sure. Somebody might have seen Bigfoot and thought it was a Dog Man, or vice versa. Probably more so, vice versa. More so, people seeing the Dog Man thinking Bigfoot, just due to the height.
0: Now, the Dog Man does it live? by
1: dog years or by human years how long do how long does the dog man live we don't know that per se because it's not like an actual creature yet that we're can study but um best guess would be probably human years now there are people out there that say that there are multiple dog men i have not heard any stories of any dog women yet so that's interesting <laughs> <laughs> most of them are all dog men so i don't know how they're sustaining this population <laughs> Maybe but, what happened to the Dogmen
0: is what happened to Treebeard. Remember with the Ent the women? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: Treebeard could be an analogy for the dog man. Could be. Maybe the dog man lives in Britain and J.R.R. Tolkien was trying to tell us something. Yes, maybe. What's funny is Treebeard did fight werewolves, kind of, because werewolves were living in Isengard.
0: They, the, he ended up going up, going back and, and meet, they ended up going out,
1: and meeting up with the the wives didn't, didn't they? I don't know. I I'm still in the third book. I haven't finished it yet, wow. so I don't know how all that's gonna shake out. But Treebeard's a major character. Yes, he is. <laughs> the books play him up a lot more than the movies even do, and I feel like he had a really prominent role in the movies. They did a great job with him in the movies. So, anyways, kind of getting not... off track there. Sorry yeah. about that. One thing I was thinking about: back to ichabod Crane and the Headless Horseman, real quick is the Riders, the uh, the Nazgul, and Lord of the Rings kind of remind me of the Headless Horseman. Mm. Just the act of the pursuit. Yeah, yep. So.
0: Well, it reminds me of the Death Day party in Harry Potter with uh, the Headless Horseman the Headless
1: Hunt. Oh, nearly Headless Nick. Nearly
0: Headless Nick wanted to be a part of the Headless Hunt, but he was oh, he, nearly yeah. headless, so they wouldn't let him in.
1: Well, <laughs> that's what you get, Nick. That's what you get anyways we have gone about as long as we ever have gone on an episode before sorry about that that's my fault i don't know if this is gonna be a strong episode or not i feel like this was a fun topic though For yeah sure. it was i do think we need to start getting more creative maybe we gotta go back to pulling topics out of a hat
0: yeah for sure we'll do that
1: if you guys have any future topics you guys would like to hear on 4 30 in the morning please tweet us at 30 in the
0: Comment on her Facebook page. Definitely.
1: Um, I've been trying to post episodes on the Facebook just to kind of get some action going. I think I've
0: been seeing. I think I, I think I saw some notifications from, from our page. Sure.
1: I don't know where the number came from. Supposedly, we had 64 different people listen to the podcast in the last That's 70s. fantastic. So I don't know where those people are coming from, but thank you. Thank you. I don't know if that's a glitch in the system or whatnot, but it's been showing 64, 67.
0: Keep listening.
1: It's been showing high numbers. We made over 1,000 Spotify impressions over the last 30 days. Wow. Now, I think that's just people that see the show when they open up the Spotify app. Sure. But that's something. That's at least it's
0: it's something, it's better than nothing.
1: And statistically speaking, they say that most podcasts, like eighty percent give up after like five episodes, ninety nine give up after ten episodes. So we're over here. We're we're, well past we're well past that. So (laughs) we're in the upper percentile. Uh, I don't know if the content quality meets the quantity. Yes. But we're (laughs) getting it sure does. We're getting there. Our
0: content is good.
1: So on that note, uh, we thank you very much. Please send in topics if you guys have anything you want to talk about. If you have any comments on our scary stories.
0: And we haven't said this in a while, but if there's anything we screw up on, we are not experts. Yeah, we butcher. We butcher a lot of shit. I probably didn't even say any of those names right in my first news story. We butcher plenty (laughs) of our
1: shit. I couldn't read a news story to save my life today. I fucked up the last episode. I ran an outtake twice because I meant to put a different outtake in. <laughs> so I will be going back in and fixing that. So if you want to give episode one hundred and fifteen a re-listen, I'll Those be tweaking some good it outtakes just a little bit at the end because we did have a good outtake that didn't make it into that episode. Um, happy birthday to my mother. Happy anniversary to my parents as well. Happy like, anniversary. How many years is that? Thirty. Oh god, thirty. Thirty-three. I want. It's got to be close
0: to my parents. It's got to be around the same. My parents are around thirty-three. I think they're
1: 33. 34. Then they got married in
0: 1990. Oh, oh yeah. No, my parents were,
1: yeah, they got married in 89. There you go. So yeah, um, they're out of town. I haven't seen, I don't know if I've ever seen my mother on her birthday. <laughs> they always go out of town. You have to. Good for her. So hopefully they don't get in too much trouble. They're not leaving the country this time, which is good. So no, your dad's can.
0: not going to Pennsylvania. Is no, he? they're not. They, they, <laughs>
1: my father is not stepping foot in that state again. I don't think <laughs> he cannot handle Pennsylvania. On that note, we thank you very much for, for listening. Please keep tweeting us, please or axing us. It's officially X now. Comment on Facebook. Comment on our Facebook page. Well, we need to get the hell out of here. So thank you very much, guys.
0: Peace. That's
1: crazy. It so. might be a lot. Years from now. Exactly. So, anyways, on to this episode. I'm sorry, we have really ran.
0: No, you're okay. What time are we at?
1: We are, it's about
0: 8.30. Oh, damn. How long have we been running?
1: We've been running for 47
0: minutes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Cut. Cut. Anyways, on to the actual news. Ben, what do you have today? In the meantime, the team behind Winning the Blue Blood and Huddy... I, I, can't, I can't say that shit. <laughs> That's tough. In the meantime, the team behind Winnie the Pooh, Blood, and Honey are working on a sequel featuring Tigger. I'm not going to go any further. <laughs> <laughs> Ka- he seems like a rim-to-rim kind of guy. Ka- <laughs> Ka- that might be making the episode That know. might make the episode